welcome to Barbatos Catholic Podcast, the show where three Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. We are your hosts, Gustavo, Ivan, and Walter. And today we are going to finish talking about Advent and move on to Christmas. But first, a word from our sponsor. Tacos, tacos, tacos. Now that I have your attention, did you know that hashtag Taco Tuesdays doesn't just have to be on Tuesdays? You can make it hashtag Taco every day with Don Taco Mobile Taco Stand. If you're looking for the best tacos in the valley, look no further. Let Don Taco cater your next event, whether it's a birthday party, baby shower, quinceañera, or a wedding. It will bring you the most delicious tacos with the freshest of ingredients. Do you like tacos de birria? They got them. Tacos de asada? Treat yourself. Tripas, cabeza, guys, they got them. Book them today. Go to dontacocatering.com for more information. You can also follow them on Instagram at dontacomts. And now, to the show. Hi, welcome to the podcast. We are so happy to be with you on this um week that we are almost celebrating uh christmas by the time that this episode is released it's going to be um tuesday december 21st which is still the fourth week of advent but you know very close very close to christmas so um we it's, want it's to an interesting one because yeah. the the it's christmas Right on Saturday, and then it's like the Holy Family Feast Day, like the next day. Right, isn't that crazy? It is crazy. It's like, when are you guys going to mass? Are you going to the vigil or midnight <laughs> mass on the twenty fourth, or are you going to Christmas Day mass? We're gonna go to uh, midnight mass. I'm gonna go at four thirty on Christmas Eve. Oh, we'll see you there then. Yep. Yeah, there's no way that we can get all the children. Um, I mean, that might, that might be a good idea because they, they might all be asleep. Or it could be really good or really really, this really big disaster. Uh, you know what? I don't think I've ever taken... I don't think we've ever taken the kids to Saturday evening mass. So I don't know how they would act. It's it. I mean, it's going to be challenging for us. Like 4.30 is like the witching hour. And you know the Christmas uh-huh. mass is always like a little bit longer than usually the regular it is, mass. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, it's usually the time that the kids are like eating dinner, and then after that we start our um, evening ritual. But you know, my parents are gonna be in town, and um, there's gonna be the excitement awesome. about going to going to bed early because Christmas mm-hmm. presents and all that. So it it should be fine. It should be fine. Um, I don't know about you guys, but one of the things that I'm really excited about Christmas Eve is tamales because mm-hmm. Mexican. Um, yeah. Racist. Uh, what? Nothing. <laughs> it's the same, <laughs> but Mexican. Uh, Mexican. <laughs> you guys don't know who are listening, but Gustavo, Ivan, and I have gotten into very heated conversations regarding what goes inside of a tamal <clears throat> mainly because tamales are like like tacos i guess in mexico like if you if you drive mm-hmm. two hours in any direction across the beautiful uh country that it is mexico you're going to find different renditions of the same dish so uh, many different ones so like I'll start describing, like, in my hometown in Monterrey, in the northeast part of Mexico, tamales are skinny, and they have a, like, maybe like a, a, a two-to-one ratio of masa to meat. So, think about it as, um, it's almost like a, like an empanada in sorts of ways. Like, it's like, it has a bunch of meat on the inside and it has like the right, filling it's filling yeah like mm-hmm. but but you still eat like four or five of them you know for mm-hmm. dinner 
mm-hmm. but uh, because of the, they're skinny. But um, you are not just eating carbohydrates. You're you're getting like that uh, protein. Yeah, that protein. Yeah. But then I came to realize that Gustavo and I even have had a very different experience of what tamales are and what ingredients go in. Like for me, it was just like pork with red chili, but then maybe maybe chicken with green green sauce, but then. I was open to a whole world of possibilities. I mean, mine are, are very similar to, to yours. They're, it, we just get straight to the point. Masa con carne de res, con chile rojo, o de puerco con chile rojo, and then the rajas con queso. That's See, it. rajas like, con queso is like... Th- those are my cheese. favorite, too. Yep. It's like when, those when my are... grandma was feeling fancy, we might have those. Yeah, no, that that's that's like every year. Like the, my mom makes the best rajas con queso tamales that you will ever have and I mean yeah, like to, for us it's like it's straight to the point. It's just what needs to be inside, nothing too fancy. Yeah. And that's how they are, man. Yeah, same. So, let me ask you a question. Are you It's rajas- not the same. <laughs> It is. I mean, in, in theory, right? I mean, no, what no, makes no, no, a tamale no. you different? To, you, you need to like list the ingredients that go in the, the tamales that you, your mom people makes. People need to know what they what you put in them. Okay, well, traditionally, I was I was raised in an island of tamales, right? Because <laughs> I didn't know any other variety existed, so that was a culture shock for me when I knew like what you're putting what in the tamal, so. Traditionally, for me, growing up, it's the same, right? Masa is like the uh, red chili carne. Carne, I said that as a gringo. <laughs> carne con chile rojo. But it's ours is beef, it's not pork. Same as yours, right, Ivan? Mm-hmm. It's shredded beef. And um, an olive. And You're already uh, doing too jalapeno. much. Huh? I'm like, you're already doing too much. <laughs> An olive, a strip of jalapeno, and a raisin. That's the one that kind of like flipped you guys over. Yeah. Why? Like, well, and why do you put a jalapeno on it? That's what salsa is for. You can put the salsa on top of it. <laughs> no, because the. <laughs> what about the kids? I don't know, Gustavo? man. What about the kids? Well, the kids, the kids can like uh, peel it out and then deal with like a little bit of spice you know that seems um, cruel but but our corn tamales are different than the than the beef tamales because the corn tamales they make them with actual ground corn fresh corn okay. and they do put a little bit of masa in it but it's like a mixture of both so it's it's a lot sweeter mm-hmm. um it doesn't have any filling the only filling is like like uh the the green chili just a stripe of green chili and the cheese is actually blended into the corn as you grind it. Oh. So wait, what kind those of are we, what kind of cheese? Like cotija? Uh queso fresco? Okay, similar. Yeah, yeah. So it has to be crumbly. Um and then that's it. And those I think those are my favorites. But they're savory still. They're a little savory. Yeah, my mom does put a little bit of well Corn is sweet by itself, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But my mom does throw a little bit of uh, sugar in there to make them just a little bit sweet. But they're not like they're not like a dessert. This is another variety that she makes, right? When she runs out of beef, she uses beans and she she blends beans with like uh, piloncillo. So she makes no kind of like a, like a frijol pudding, and that she puts that into the masa. That's just white. It's the masa that doesn't come out like orangey, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With chili color. And, and, yeah, and the masa is like blended with like some, a little bit of cinnamon and the sugar. So that one's kind of like a dessert tamal. A so sweet those are the three tamal. varieties. Those are the three varieties. I hate those, by the way. I do not like them till this day. I cannot stomach them. But those are the three varieties of tamal that I grew up with. See, in our, in my grandma would be like the the red pork tamales, the chicken with uh, peas and carrots and green salsa, and then beans. Beans tamales would be like the, you know, like, todavía tienes hambre, hay tamales de frijoles. 
You know, it was like the bonus. <laughs> You're still hungry. There's bean. Uh, and then, and then, what you can have is una guajolota. What, what is that? <laughs> we told you it's what a guajolota is. We told it, you it's it's a, it's a tamal. You, tamal. you get a bolillo, and then you you put the tamal inside the bolillo. And uh-huh. dude, it's it's so good. It's the Mexican well, energy board. bar. I'm on board, dude. <laughs> You can. It's a, it's a coming Mexico back to your ratio, case. though. Coming back to your ratio, I think that's that one we do have in common is like two to one. The tamales that we've encountered here in the valley, they're like twenty-seven to one <laughs> because they're like so thick. And I think there needs to be a balance. You know, there needs to be like some some consistency in your in your bites. Yeah. If you're eating only yeah. masa, then it gets a little stale and a little good, a little dry. I mean, not to but, throw shade on people from Mexico City like my comadre, but Mexico City is like it's like all masa. They put like a spoonful of sauce and maybe three bits of meat, <laughs> and that's your tamal. Like it's more volume. There is like quantity over quality. Yeah. There, I said it, but. They're still enjoyable. It's, it doesn't fight anymore. I mean, I still <laughs> ate like two of them when I went to Olivia's baptism <laughs> before I had a huge plate of pozole. But that's ne- neither here nor there. And I'm getting hungry. So I think we should get into the topic. Because um, we're going to talk about um, Christmas Mexican traditions. But first, we need to wrap up um, Advent of the Heart by Father Alfred Delp, um, which has been an excellent companion for for this Advent season. Um, And um, today we are going to take um, a couple things. Uh, uh, I had like one particular quote from the homily uh, for the fourth Sunday of Advent, Advent preached in Munich on December 21st, 1941. Um, And he says that it, it just does a recap of the things that we have been talking about. He says, these have been our reflections on man in Advent, in the encounter with the absolute, being shaken, in the experience of quaking, in authenticity, in ultimate integrity, in confession of faith, and in this forthright and realistic fear of the Lord. So, he focuses on what exactly means um, to have actual and realistic fear of the Lord in in, in this particular homily, uh, which is basically having this sense of reverence and awe for the Creator of the universe. Um, it, which I thought that it was like a really good um, differentiation between what we consider in the world as fear of being afraid, it's nothing like that. When we talk about fear of the Lord, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it comes more from like a place of reverence and awe. Um, mm-hmm. But then um, moving on to the pre Christmas reflection that he has for the next year. And uh, on December 22nd, 1944, he has, Three ways that we need to celebrate Christmas. And uh, Gustavo, can you help me out with the first one? Sure thing. So the first way that Father Delph says that we need to celebrate Christmas is, number one, by recalling a historical event. There's a reason why we have B.C. and A.D. So basically, you know, it's not, you, you just don't celebrate just because. You know, there has to be a fundamental reason. Um, Think of your own celebrations, you know. I mean, sometimes, I don't know. I mean, sometimes we just have like a fancy dinner on a Tuesday because it's a Tuesday and we're together and we're family. But by and large, you know, it's always birthdays or anniversaries. So so there's, there's like a significant date attached to that celebration. Mm -hmm. And I think there is... A lot to be said about that. And again, I, I, I keep harking back to what we're living today, you know, in today's culture, is that 
the, the, the sense of celebration is just like we're celebrating literally anything right now. And there's an, there's always an excuse to get drunk. You know what I mean? <laughs> Essentially. But as Father Delp says it, you, you know, uh, th there's a reason why we have BC and AD. The oh, birth that, of that's Christ. actually my note. That's not in the book. <laughs> oh, there you go. I mean, by recalling that historical event, right? I mean, but that, I mean, good, good note, by the way, because it, it could totally fit within this book mm -hmm. because there is no bigger historical event, particularly for us as Catholics, as the birth of Christ. You Absolutely. know, so for sure we we're gonna celebrate and what i liked about this book this journey of of the, the the four weeks the four episodes that we've been doing up until now is like i've said in previous episodes that it really puts advent in a different context than just okay waiting to open gifts or waiting to yes celebrate the birth of, of christ but it it really gives you a different dimension of what Advent is. Advent, Advent of the Heart, title of the book, that's a, that's, a, that's a lifestyle. You know, we should always be in expectation of God because you know what? God is always looking for us and always searching for us. So that historical event, no greater than the birth of Christ. Yeah, I mean, have you seen that... Um Some colleges now are starting to say BCE, like before Common Era. Oh, yeah. yeah I did yeah. see that. And it's very funny because there's memes about it. It's like, you know, before the event, wink, wink, stump, stump. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, what is a Common Era? It's like, oh, yeah. after the birth of, like, someone. Uh, mm -hmm. uh. Yeah, I mean, there's no erasing it. As much as they try, there's just no erasing it. Yeah, know? they can change the name of it, but, you know, it's the event. It's when God took on humanity and was, like, walking the earth just like us. So, yeah, got to remember that. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the second point. The second point is uh, within... All of the foregoing, a great mystery, which is the mysterium, is hidden. You know, something something happens between heaven and earth that passes all understanding. And it's, it's so crazy to think about, you know, we're waiting for this incredible event that's about to take place. Um, something so that at the time, you know, humanity, if, you know, if, if God were to say like, well, I'm going to descend upon from the heavens and onto the earth and walk amongst you. Like, I don't know. That's like a very trippy thing to hear. Mm -hmm. if, you know, if I live back totally. Um, so like it, it, something is, is just about to, to happen. And, 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 and it's so beautiful. You know, this, this mystery is, is made present to us and it, and it continues in the world to the end of time. Um, and is always in the process of happening. So the, the cool thing is that we get to celebrate this every single year. Like, it's not like we can skip it or anything like that. Like, the fact that we get to mm -hmm. take time to just, it's almost, you know, people see Advent as almost like, like Lent as well. You know, like, mm -hmm. you know, Lent, you know, we take time to remember our, our, remember our Lord's sacrifice and what he did and, and why, and, you know, to celebrate the reason why we're Catholic and why we do what we do. But why can't Advent be the same way where we get to remember, you know, before he was on the cross, he came into this world. Um, uh, Fulton Sheen is one of my favorite writers. And in his book, Life of Christ, he I really love how he talks about I really love how Fulton Sheen writes because he writes very poetic in a way mm -hmm. where some, when I read, you know, someone like Pope Benedict or JP2, it, a lot of the times it just goes over my head. And Fulton Sheen is just so easy to understand because he just writes so poetic. Um, but he, and when he talks about the nativity and the life of Christ, he talks about how the king of the universe had to enter his own world through the back door, pretty much. <laughs> like he, like the, the, the king of the universe was born in a cold, 
wet cave. And that's so interesting. When I was when I was a missionary with Nat, I used to always ask the team, like, you know, when you think of royalty, what do you think of? Like you think of like, you know, castles and like a big kingdom and when a a baby's born, it's like it's born into royalty and like, you know, Jesus, the king of the universe, born in this cold, stinky, wet cave that had to be warmed up by by animals and it just it's it's just it's so trippy to to think about that. Yeah. You know, like the the Lord yeah. of the universe so humble coming into our world, into our lives in the most humble of ways. So yeah, it's yeah. so cool. It's so cool to think about that. And it's so cool to contemplate that. I don't know, personally for me it's very cool to contemplate that. No, yeah, definitely. Sure. I think that um you know, whenever it's like the third mystery of, um, is it the joyful mysteries, the mystery, the, the birth of Christ? I think I mentioned mm -hmm. before that I, some of the things that I tried to contemplate when I'm praying that mystery of the rosary is like, well, how cold was it? Um, you know, the how the shepherds saw the angels that were leading them to the location where Christ was born in. How did Saint Joseph react to, mm -hmm. you know, being the bouncer? Basically, <laughs> like, I don't know you. Like, why do you want to see the baby? Because you know, I I would be one of those guys. Would be like, "There's a baby here. Can I hold it? Yeah. <laughs> Where's the baby? Uh, where's the baby? He's so cute, the baby." Um, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, regardless of you that, you guys, you guys, uh, there was this. Meme floating around, not meme, but little, uh, like a little cartoon of how Silent Night, S Silent Night got started. Did you see that? No. Oh, what so did there's it say? there's an illustration. There's an illustration of of Joseph with Mary on top of the donkey, and you just see their backs, right? Mm -hmm. And and a tug bubble on top of Joseph says, "Honest, I did make the reservations. I don't know what happened. Mary, talk to me." And Mary's talk bubble says, I'm fine. And that's how Silent Night started. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> La cago Joseph. Con decir. La cago. Yeah, he, he didn't book it, you know? It is funny, so, but far from what happened. <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, well. Um, okay, the third way that we are to celebrate Christmas um, Father Delp says, we must consider the feast to be serious and important. And uh, I think that he says a lot with very few words. Serious and important. Those are two characteristics that he stresses on the third way that we are to celebrate Christmas. Um, when you think about Christmas, that there's... I don't think I would describe Christmas as serious before I read this book, mainly because, you know, people are relaxed usually during Christmas. Obviously, there's 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 people that have a lot of um, anxiety and uh, stress related to the holidays, uh, you know, people that cannot spend time with their loved ones or any other situations that, you know, we're praying for you if you are um, spending your holidays um, not with your family because that can be difficult. But for the most part, I think most people can associate Christmas with a time of, like, merriment and enjoyment and um, being off work and, and relaxation and... Uh, the cookies Family. and the food and the drinking and um, not necessarily taking it serious because the presents and the games and all these things that are happening around it um, can take our attention away from what is important um, and just building up uh, building upon the two previous ways um, we have this mystery, this historical event that is important. It is important because it is a, a before and after in in 
the history of our world, that our Savior came into the world. So that should be a good enough reason for us to be taking this as something serious, as something important. Um, in 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 that regards, you know, like going to to mass on Christmas, uh, but not only on Christmas, going to mass uh, every Sunday as it is our, our Sunday obligation, but most most uh, importantly uh, during this time where we celebrate the the birth of our Lord. Um, so I don't I don't know what you guys think about these two specific attributes that Father Jobs has about serious and important do you guys have any uh, comment on that well it's serious because there's a huge significance to it you know it's not something to be taken lightly essentially you know it's not something that okay let's uh happy birthday jesus and let's open presents you know or or dig in the happy birthday jesus let's eat you know no let's Let's make Christ the center of our celebration because that should be the source for all of our joy, you know. And it's different when you're, when, when, when you're a kid, right? But as, as you grow, as you, as you become a man uh, or a woman and whatever your case might be, right, it's, it's important that we keep in perspective what Christmas is really about. And I guess the other thing is the seriousness of of the reason is sometimes we pay more attention to other reasons. You know, if you're hosting, oh, do we have the food ready? Oh, or, or is there drinks? Is there ice? You know, the, the kid's going to have batteries for their presents. It's like, you know, so <laughs> there's a lot of distraction. And this is like obviously surrounding Christmas. But I, I attribute the seriousness to it to, to really be reflective about the significance of that event. Yeah. So, and then, and then the seriousness, and what was the other one? I'm sorry. That is important. important. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, that goes without saying. Right. right. It's important because God became man. He dwelt among us. You know, as Ivan said, he he came through through the back door. So, and and that kind of like set the tone for humanity moving forward. So those are those those are my two cents on the topic. No, I think uh, <clears throat> um, it, it's very similar like that for me as well. Um, I think we can all get and and I mean, I'm guilty of it, uh, especially when I was growing up, that we can <clears throat> all get caught up in the in the aspect of the gift giving and what I'm getting and, and, and like, crap, it's the 23rd. I'm not done buying presents and things like that. Mm-hmm. that we really forget about what like it's, it's, it's cliche as it sounds like he's the reason for the season <laughs> that whole thing yeah but in a way it's true not in a way it is true um but just when you, you know i believe that it is true instead of just like saying it exactly so i think this year we're we're doing things a little bit differently we we really want to Really enter the really enter into the fact that we're that we're receiving the Lord, like He's coming into our world. Uh, we're receiving Him into our hearts. Um, Christmas Eve, like I think we're gonna go to Mass, and I think this is the first year that we're actually not gonna like party hard. Um, mainly because you know the, the the girls are still too young and they're gonna get tired by like eight o'clock. They're tired. We're not gonna go mm-hmm. somewhere and then have them be grumpy and we don't we just don't want to do that. But instead, like we want to be like, okay, let, let's go to mass and and just stay home and then, you know, like in the morning we'll wake up and we'll do presents and and but before that, like we we, we really want to pray with the girls, um, but we really want to be intentional like that with them, uh, to show them that example of, you know, because. And then we go with family and it's, you know, it's just presents and presents and presents. But like, no, it's I mean, a different it's vibe. And absolutely. It is a different vibe. And but no, I, I, I agree with you, Gustavo, that we can totally forget the real meaning of it. And we just have to kind of take a step back and actually look at why we're doing it. 
Mm-hmm. Father Delp goes on to say that uh, it, it goes like hand in hand with what we have been discussing. He says that we are not celebrating some children's holiday, but rather the fact that God has spoken his ultimate word to the world. Christ is the ultimate word of God to the world. So that has kind of like in a nutshell the 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 summary of why this is important. Um, and then he moves on to um, say some sort of like exhortations of uh, what we should do for uh, for this particular season that we're going into. This is, remember that we're going into the Christmas season. It's not just Christmas Day. We and we're probably going to make an episode on the twelve days of Christmas at some point. Uh, and um, some of the things that we need to remember or aspire to during this upcoming Christmas season is, he says, may we impart the goodness. And this basically comes from us receiving this mysterium, um, this, this goodness that it is the birth of Christ, uh, birth of Christ in our hearts that we who are giving the baby Jesus a dwelling in our hearts, may we impart that goodness to others, um, which I think is very, very important, especially the way that we are to each other right now where everybody is like going about their business and not really uh, taking mm -hmm. care of, uh, of other people um, outside of like their people that are their friends and family. Um, he does. He also says, "May we attend to humanity again, and witness to the lordship of God again, and know of His grace and mercy, and have gentle hands for other people again." Um, you have to also take into consideration the time period that he was writing. This is like mm -hmm. 1942, right? And he is in in Germany and. and Nazism is rampant, so th there is this um, sense of uh, you know my way or the highway, based on the totalitarian regime that he was living under, and preaching to people that are Catholics in Germany to remember uh, to have gentle hands for other people. To me, it sounds like it's kind of like bone chilling. But that's totally applicable to today. You know, that's the other thing about this book. It could have been written, like I said, last year. You know, there's so much of that going on now. Obviously not to the devastating extent that it happened during World War II. Right. But I... I definitely believe that we could all have gentle hands for other people again. You know, it's just so divided right now. Our country is so divided. Um, and, and I do attribute that because then there's, there's this God hole, you know, in our society. And people are just trying to fill it with something. But for sure, contextually, Reading this and the day that it was written, it was like, oh, yeah, I can definitely see why he wrote what he wrote, you know. But even even today, you know, there's there's plenty Catholics that that we can definitely do uh, a better job of, of, of having gentler hands with other people. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we have said that. Um in the in the last three episodes that we have recorded about how he wrote it in the 1940s and how applicable it is to to right now, so it's kind of mm -hmm. crazy to think. Um, and then um, a couple other things that he says, and may we go away from Christmas Eve with the consolation that we mean so much to God. That no external distress can rob us 
in this ultimate consolation. Our hearts must become strong to make the divine heartbeat into the law of life again. God's readiness is established, but our gates are locked. That kind of like tug to the heartstrings a little bit to uh, to be like, man, God's readiness is established, but our gates are locked, and how true that is. Mm-hmm. There's no way that he says it right there. There's no one can rob us of this ultimate consolation that that, that he is uh, that he is after us over and over and over yep. and over and over and over. Um, yep. And it, it's just like mind-boggling to keep thinking that it's like okay, we keep messing up, but he keeps like wanting to come after us like no 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 you're, you're broken but <laughs> i made you and i and i want you um all right ivan do you want to wrap it up with the last couple points that we have um for this meditation yeah um these should be the the meaning of our of our wartime uh christmas uh and that's that we should petition him um, that he redeems us through the mystery, which is in the, the mystery of Advent, uh, that we are rich and capable enough through God's comfort to give mankind the comfort that it needs so much, um, that we go away from the celebration as great comforters, as the great knowers, the great blessed ones who know what it means to be consoled by God, um, which puts it so beautifully. Like, how do we remember how to really get the best out of Advent. Um, so, yeah, just to, to finish it on that point, I think it's um, it's um, it's really cool. Yeah, as as much as uh, this this book has been kind of like bittersweet, right? It has had like very sad parts, but very hopeful parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I hope you you guys that have been following and listening um, have gotten something out of it, um, have enjoyed it. We really, really have uh, liked reading it, even though it has been a little bit difficult at times to uh, digest some of those harder words <laughs> that are yeah. thrown in there. It's like it's, it's, some of these are a little bit bitter and a little bit, you know, you have to like really, really chew through those ideas that he uh, is pitching. But, you know, overall, um, at least personally, I don't want to speak for the two of you. It, it has given me like a, a better sense of how to prepare in this Advent season mm-hmm. for, for Christmas. Um, and um, I have to say, I haven't indulged so much as I would have done by this time in December, which probably has helped. Um, so thank you, Father Del, for Advent of the Heart. Um, yeah, for me, I guess the biggest takeaway from the book was that, you know, I mean, if I have to recall and say, okay, the the, the key points were the joyfulness that we talked about last episode, you know, how we can become uh, uh, partakers in that joy every single year. I mean, this is this is a great event, you know, that we get to partake um, as as Catholics. And the better we prepare for it, I guess, the more joy we can experience. Uh, the second one is the the fact that this amazing man, Father Delp, did all this in one of the toughest times in history of mankind, you know? So mad respect, you know? I I think there is a a lot to be said about the cost for canonization for this man. And and I'm pretty sure it's going to come forth at at one point or another. So, um, but yeah, I I think joyfulness is is really important uh, that we keep it in context 
of how lucky we are, you know, that we are able to just do this and practice our faith and celebrate Christmas with our loved ones. Um, and Father Delp did all this, most of these reflections, you know, while in, in, in prison. So mm-hmm. let that sink in a little bit and it really helps you appreciate, you know, all the many blessings that we do have um, based based on, on on the work of others. So, Yeah. I was trying to find if there is a cause open for his canonization, but I couldn't find one. So we'll see. We will need to start praying to uh, Father Delph to see if there are any miracles through his intercession that we can report yeah. to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, it's going to do second gear. And um, the second half of this episode, we, we wanted to share with you um, some of the things that uh, we have experienced uh, as Christmas traditions growing up in Mexico, and um, and, and this is going to be fun because I just wrote down the things that I experienced as a kid um, growing up in the northeast part of Mexico, and I, I'm, I'm really curious about what Gustavo and I are going to say about this. Um, there's three of them. The, the three P's of Mexican Christmas traditions. We have first, first place we have posadas, which a posada, it, it, the literal translation of the word posada from Spanish to English would be an inn or a place where people that are traveling will stay for like a night. Think about like the old school bed and breakfast kind of situation. Um, and The uh, original Airbnb. The original <laughs> Airbnb. Yes. Yes, basically. Uh, and um, this is a novena that is prayed from uh, December 26th to Christmas Eve. And um, usually the whole block is uh, involved in in this kind of celebrations. It's like nine days of of these uh, posadas where you have the peregrinos or the pilgrims, which are basically Jesus, Mary, and Joseph asking for uh, a room at the different inns or houses by singing um, the different canticles that are for, for the posadas. So this is where I'm going to stop first. It's like asking Gustavo and Ivan if you ever sang those canticles for asking for posada. For I mean, sure. I mean, if, you, if you're Mexican and you've never done posadas, are you really Mexican? Right? It's like if you're Mexican, you don't have a rosary hanging from your rear view mirror in your car. Exactly. Are you really Mexican? It's, a, it, it's one of those. It's one of those uh, rules. Uh, no, yeah, I gr- I grew up with posadas and I love it, man. It's it's such a great tradition. It uh, is. It is. We we used to do them in youth group, so there was a lot of houses. There was a lot of food, and yeah, I mean, as early as twelve, I can recall that I was going out on posadas. You you gain a good. 15, 20 pounds in those. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So some of the canticle, like I'm not going to sing it right now, but I'm just like trying to do the, uh, the English translation of what it asks. It's like an exchange in between Jesus, Mary and Joseph and the innkeepers. Basically Joseph doing the, the asking is it starts saying in the name of the heavens, I request lodging from you. Because she cannot walk, my beloved wife. And the innkeepers respond, this is not an inn. Go on ahead. I cannot open up for you in case you're a crook. Which is kind of cruel, you know, for a Christmas carol. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it goes Cantala. on. It has like... Cantala. Que cante. Well, que cante. I'm going to do like my best impression of one of my aunts singing. En el nombre del cielo, os pido posada, pues no puede andar mi esposa amada. We just lost our fight. You can see how you can see how 
you can play <laughs> with all of those like modulations of notes when you're a kid yeah. and make fun of that and make silly dances to those things. And then and then the people from inside the house would answer uh, with the other part of the song saying, keep going. I don't know you. I don't trust you. Oh, come on. I thought you were going to sing it. I don't know it by heart. Come on. I have the lyrics right there in the notes. You can open the link and go. We, can, we can move on, Walter. All right. We can move on. We'll just do like a tutorial on how to sing Los Cantos de la Posada. But anyways, the, the song is sung. And then um, after a few stances, they're like, okay, keep moving. Um, but anyways, everybody goes into the house where the Posada is happening. And usually the rosary is prayed. And um, after the rosary... Whoever is hosting gives either like a snack or dinner um, as well as uh, bolo. Bolo, I don't know about you guys, but Monterrey, bolo is like a cellophane bag with an orange at the bottom for bulk. And then a handful of like peanuts that are still in the shell. And then mm -hmm. maybe like a couple pieces of hard candy and colaciones, which is like mm -hmm. some kind of like... Um, basically just sugar clumped up and <laughs> with some color on the top and that's like the typical thing that it would be like the treat for the kids that would like pray the rosary um and um and then um the difference for the night of christmas eve is that the pilgrims are in invited inside um and then you do the same thing you pray the rosary um you eat tamales And there's the the addition of the adoration of the baby Jesus. Um, and particularly in my grandma's house, there would be between three to four baby Jesuses. And they would, like, put them in platters. And they would, mm -hmm. like, pieces of candy around the baby Jesus. Imagine this baby Jesus, like, kind of like real-sized, life-sized <laughs> baby Jesus. Um, and then you would, like, get your candle, get it lit up. Some people would get on their knees and, like, go on their knees to adore baby Jesus um, and blow out the candle when you get the baby Jesus. And then you, like, kiss the, the figurine of the baby Jesus and take your piece of candy. And, mm -hmm. and, the, and there's another song that is sung while you are adoring the baby Jesus that I'm not going to hurt <laughs> your ears with. Uh, there's a lot of singing going on. And, uh, you know, my there's grandma would have, like, this old notebook that only she would be able to understand the chicken scratch mm -hmm. on it to sing the lyrics. But everybody knew the lyrics because, you know, you go every year and you sing the songs. Yep. Do you guys experience that growing up as well? Mm-hmm. Yep. All of that. Um, nice. I mean, in Mexico, yeah, I, I remember doing that, but, I mean, I moved here in 95. But St. Joan of mm -hmm. Arc, the Hispanic community, has always done the posadas here. Uh, so we used to go when I was younger. And then when I was in charge of the youth group, um, the youth group would be in charge of one of the nights. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, man, it's I love the posadas. It's such a great tradition and so much good food. And I love it. Nice. Yeah, I didn't know that St. Mark had it. Uh, we might check it out. But, you know, committing to like nine straight days, um, it's kind of, you know, it, it takes a lot of coordination and logistics, like who is going to who and whatnot. Um, however, moving on to the second tradition, the second P of the Mexican traditions for Christmas is piñatas. Um, and piñatas, you know, they're kind of ubiquitous, at least in the U.S., um, They're kind of uh, an icon of Mexican culture, um, kind of what we are known for other than tacos. And, and then would you know that we have piñatas because of the Catholic Church? So thank you, mm -hmm. Catholic Church, for piñatas. Um, there, is an, there is a Mexican Catholic interpretation of the piñata, and, and it basically rests on the struggle of man or humanhood or human beings against the temptation. Uh, usually a piñata has seven points that represent the seven deadly sins. 
and then it, they would be originally they would be made with a uh, a clay pot in in the middle um, that would represent evil, and then the seasonal fruit and candy inside would would be um, the temptations of evil. So the person with the stick gets blindfolded to represent faith because you know blind faith, and mm-hmm. um, and then they would turn you around singing and shouting to represent the disorientation that temptation creates. Some people would like turn you like 33 times for each year of Christ's life, which I think it's a little bit exaggerated. Like you're yeah, not going to know. It's a like, little excessive. Yeah. Like up is down, down is up and the other way around. Um, but um, all of these things were used as a catechism. Um Basically, by Franciscan friars in Mexico that were trying to like educate the indigenous Mexican to to know more about the Christian faith. And as the participants beat on the piñata, uh, this is supposed to represent the struggle against temptation. And then when the piñata breaks, the treats inside then represent the rewards of keeping the faith. So it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, now you see like Buzz Lightyear and Woody piñatas, but the original ones, the OG piñatas, are going to be the ones with like the seven uh, spikes points. Points. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's it's an art form. Piñatas is an art form. Yeah. Did you I ever remember, get? Um, sorry, um, just came to mind. But did you guys ever see the episode of The Office where where Dwight is uh, about to hit the piñata and? And they put they, they want to put the blindfold on him, and he says, "No, no, no, I don't need that." I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a priest friend. I won't say his name, but he want, once he was holding a stick, and he's like, "I'm gonna beat you up with this stick like a piñata." You know who you are, Father. You know who you are. <laughs> I think I might have a good idea of who that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs> but regardless of that, um, it. it pues es una bonita costumbre, ¿verdad? It's it's now yeah, it's I like, like it. common common uh, place uh, for like Christmas and uh, birthday yeah. parties and all these things. But originally it was an instrument for catechism. Uh, anyways, so did you guys used to do it on like at, at the last day of the of the posada novena? Yeah, it was like after Christmas yeah. Eve. You would break the piñata. It's also like it's you know I think we talked about this like in Mexico the family gathers together at like seven or eight p.m. on Christmas Eve and all of those celebrations like everybody gets in like six or seven starts eating dinner grocery starts at like eight it lasts an hour because it's Mexico and. Um, And then after that, you have a lot of time to kill, right? So you do the piñata, you do loteria, uh, and then, you know, you would wait until midnight to open up presents instead of, like, having mm-hmm. the kids go to sleep and, and do the presents on Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. At least my family was, was like that. Um, <clears throat> so... Um, one of the other things that we would have to fill the time before uh, we would all say Merry Christmas, right, in, uh, at midnight would be pastorelas, the third P of Mexican Christmas tradition. And uh, for those that don't know, pastorelas are basically plays that recreate the biblical passage where the shepherds follow the star of Bethlehem to find the Christ child. And uh, it's it's... It's very straightforward. So in, in order to reach the birthplace of Jesus, they have to experience a series of changes in fortune and confront the devil, who is going to do everything possible to prevent them from contemplating from contemplating Jesus, completing their mission. And uh, it's at that moment that the Archangel Michael intervenes to defend the shepherds on their journey. So... It's it's always the same principles, but the people get created with like the the plot of those things. And uh, my family, uh, we would always have that uncle who was like the he always wanted to be a writer and like would like write lines for all of the cousins because <laughs> there's like 30 of us. 
And uh, I have to I have to come clean and say that I I was never one of the angels. I was always one of like the sidekick demons of Satan. That would be like the funny relief, the like the comedical relief of the pastorella. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a fun time. I I think it's a it's a good uh, thing to do as a family to do like the, that recreation of um, uh, the shepherd's struggle. I was in it once, and I was a shep one of the shepherds. Nice. I had like two lines, and I can't remember them now, but they were like very minimal. It was Aquí está la carta, like, señor. One of them was like, yeah, it's like that. It was like, look, and that's it. <laughs> Because it was it was during youth group, so there was a bunch of us. So they tried to, you know, give everybody a little bit. So yeah. it, it'd be like finishing each other's sentences, you know. One says "look," the other one says "like," says "like theirs," and then the other one, a star or whatever. So it's just right. like a lot of kids. <laughs> it'd be funny that the conflict would be like uh, the Satan would challenge Saint Michael the Archangel to like a a game of soccer, and whoever scores the most goals would like decide the fate of the chep the the shepherd the shepherds. <laughs> Uh, so little crazy things like that that I'm like, okay, that's not how it happened, but you know, we're gonna like tropicalize it and make it our own. Um, <laughs> uh, it was a good time. Um, uh, dude, we need to put on our own pastorella for, for sure and make it like a we got a, plenty a, of kids now, so yeah, make it like a radio uh show. There was one time that I was supposed to be like Cloud. That was my character. And someone had one of those like sparklers. And I had a cape that said Cloud with like uh, uh, cotton balls stuck mm. to the cape. Wow. Well, one of my cousins stood too close to me with the sparkler. Oh, no. <laughs> the cape caught on fire. And I was like, ah! Ah! <laughs> So um, that was the the Christmas Eve that I almost caught on fire. I I, I lived to tell the story, and now that's the story that everybody remembers. Remember that one time Walter almost caught on fire? Well, you know what they always remember yeah. is that my my birthday is on Christmas Day, uh, same as the big boss upstairs. So they would always be like at midnight on the on Christmas Eve. They would be like, "Happy Merry Christmas, everybody!" And then, like, maybe two minutes into, like, everybody hugging each other, wishing each other Merry Christmas, somebody would be, like, invariably, oh, and it's Walter's birthday, too. So everybody would be, like, happy birthday, you know. <laughs> you can. That's why Deanna threw me a surprise birthday party in June. There you go. So I would be, like, actually very surprised to have a, a birthday party in, in six months before my birthday. Um So they always remembered me crying because I would get like so overwhelmed by everybody wishing me a happy birthday. Like I would be so loved by my family that I would like start crying. So everybody's Aww. like, ah, you know, yeah, Conway. That tells you like, For those who know Spanish, it's like how mean my, my family would be at times. But they, they were not that mean. It was just be like, remember yeah. he would cry? He would cry like a lot. We don't hold punches. We don't yeah. hold punches in Mexican tradition. Yeah, yeah it's, everyone's yeah. fair game. It's like, but but she's yeah. two years old. She's fair game. Aguantate. <laughs> Aguantate. <laughs> you laugh. O te doy otro. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Oh man, that sounds so bad. Everybody's gonna be like, I don't want to go to Posadas anymore. I know. <laughs> they're gonna make fun Damn, of me. Being Mexican sucks. Yeah, they're like the meanest. Uh, it's but beautiful you know, though. Yeah, they they scarred us enough for us to be funny, which I think it's a, a progress. <laughs> okay, so while you are um, googling what are the canicles for um, the Posadas, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Barbatos Catholic Podcast, the show where three Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. If you like the podcast or got something out of this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Subscribe, like, comment, rate, and review if you haven't. 
If you're feeling extra generous, you can buy us a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash barbatos and follow the instructions. If you buy us a coffee, you automatically get a shout out. And if you don't like the podcast, well, just keep it to yourself and let others make their own mistakes. Um, you can find the show notes for this episode at barbatoscatholicpodcast.com, social media. We are on Instagram at barbatoscatholicpodcast. Um, from, from the three of us, um, we want to wish you a very Merry Christmas um, from, from our families to yours that... Um, child christ may may have a a fine dwelling in uh, all of your hearts and um <clears throat> remember that uh christmas is not just one day it goes on for for a little bit so let's savor that let's not rush into all all of the uh the partying and yeah this is Alanis casey pray, pray, pray for, for us. us until the next time